0: Welcome back, guys, to another episode of Business from the Basketball Podcast. I am your host, Adam Deacon, on the Serious Angler Network. So, anyways, guys, another rebroadcast of an episode. I have been freaking swamped work-wise, unfortunately. So, uh, this is a rebroadcast from the fifth episode I ever recorded. So, uh, probably have some things I could work on, still could work on as a podcast host. But, anyways... Uh, this one is with Gary Dobbins, founder of Dobbins rods, the rods we all love and know in the bass fishing world. So really good guy and just is a really cool, uh, breakdown of Dobbins rods. And this is one of my favorites. And that's what I've just decided to do on these weeks where it's, uh, had a scheduling mismatch or something like that. So anyways, guys appreciate as always give a, a rate and review on YouTube to the serious angler podcast. And uh, as well as on the whatever podcast platform you're listening to, whether it be Apple or Spotify or any other ones. So anyways, we'll get into the show and uh, appreciate all the support as always. Welcome back, guys. This is Adam Deacon with Business from the Bass Boat Podcast. Um, I hope everyone's doing okay in these challenging times, um, both health-wise, financially, all that sort of stuff. A lot of unknowns right now. And, um, yeah, hope everyone's doing well. Uh, we'll get through this. Um, I saw you know, a bait company say something like fish through it. I thought that was kind of a cool thing. Um, guys, uh, interesting what's going on in the tournament world and the fishing world in general. You know, basically we're seeing tournaments just um, getting postponed, all that sort of stuff. It's incredible. Uh, I I understand kind of the concern with the coronavirus being close in groups and and just the travel and people being away from their families. Understand all of that. Just saw that Major League Fishing canceled their next event as well, so therefore all tournament series are kind of done with the tournament stuff. Um, But, you know, so we're doing some – Basically, remote podcast interviews. This uh, this one is with Gary Dobbins of Dobbins Rods. He has uh, has built one heck of a, a rod company that is well known across across the world. And it was cool to hear his story from the beginning, um, outgrowing himself in the shop and, and getting bigger and bigger. And you know, and it, it just really some some cool details on on everything. He uh, he also. They also are making spinnerbaits and jigs and, and all kinds of stuff, but um, really a well-known guy, one heck of a fisherman, Fish, fished a lot of tournaments and still, still does some and um, built, built a, a rod business kind of from the ground up. So it was cool to hear the story, and hopefully you guys can take something away from this. Hey, well, hey, I appreciate you taking the time out, and uh, welcome to the show.
1: Yeah, appreciate it. It, um, it, it took us long enough. I, got a, I had a flake on you the other day, and I actually totally forgot about it. I broke a main water line, and uh, I jumped in the middle of that project, and I totally spaced our call.
0: Oh, not a problem. Not a problem. Things happen. Did you get the, uh, the water line fixed up?
1: Yeah, but not that day. It was the next day. Oh, <laughs> the oh. thing broke underneath. The people when they built this house, and it's you know it's a little bit of an older house that we redid and stuff, but they put the way they did some of their plumbing was stupid, and this water main went right underneath a gigantic redwood tree.
2: Oh my god! And
1: we couldn't, and it was deep, and we couldn't, you know. First of all, where it was coming up by the tree it was hitting a root and following it up, so where we thought the break was wasn't where the break was. Oh jeez. Um, and and so we just started looking trying to find out where did this line come in. we'd find a line and they okay, that's lined up, that's it. So we'd break it and cap it. Nope, that wasn't it. And we did that four times before we find it before we got the right line. What a what a pain and a nightmare.
0: Wow. Wow. And so yeah. so, so where in California is this? It sounds like Redwoods. Um
1: It yeah, we're way up north. Okay. Um we're way up north and we live in Texas, but we still have a house in California because we come back to your grandkids. So.
0: Awesome. Um, awesome.
1: It's, um, but then, you know, when you leave something, set, it, I swear, it just seems like stuff goes wrong with it. And every time we come back, there's something else oh, that just seems to, that went wrong, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know. Oh man. What a pain. Well, glad you got it somewhat under control now. And, uh, you're, you're driving back to Texas.
1: Yeah, I was actually supposed to fly this morning, mm-hmm. and uh, and we backed out on flying and decided to drive, and I just, I had such a stressful day and, and evening last night, I went to bed with a lot on my mind, and I just, I'm one of those guys that when I'm stressed and I don't sleep a week, and that's what I did, so we decided, heck, we're driving, so it's
0: not super important when we leave, so now it looks like we're going to leave tomorrow morning early. I see, I see, yeah, oh, I, don't, I, I, I don't blame you there one bit, there's a lot... A lot of hurt out there going on right now and everything else, but man, well, glad to glad to hear. I guess I think driving's a little bit safer option. It seems like anyway. Figure traveling in the air isn't isn't the best move.
1: Like I just got through reading. I just got the reading that a guy got on an airline on a jet, blue airline, uh-huh. and they was flying. And once he left the ground, he told everybody on the plane that he had been, you know, I've got the virus, you know. <laughs>
2: he, he told you know, everyone on that? the airplane.
1: And he, yep, once he's on the airplane, yep. So JetBlue, was, I mean, they, you know, they landed and had an ambulance there. And, uh, oh and they gosh. barred this guy from life forever flying on the airline again. Heck, I'd have barred him from life, too. Somebody yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: Wow. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. Yeah, I can't believe it. I, just people
1: are crazy, it, man. You know, there's just not a lot of common sense. I'll be honest with you. I mean, I was blowing this virus off a lot. I mean, I just didn't think it was Same as here. bad as what everybody was saying. But mm-hmm. you know, I sat down with our doctor. We went and seen our doctor slash really good friend of ours last Thursday, and he put a little bit of fear in us, pretty good. Really. And I got another buddy that works close with uh, with the CDC. Is one of the big wigs there, and. He, uh, he called my son, they're really good friends, he called my son last Thursday also. Between the two conversations last Thursday, they got our attention. We, uh, we're really, really being careful now. Wow, wow.
0: Yeah, you know, and I, I'm yeah. the same way. I took it as, well, you know, well, we're going to have to work from home, what is this and that. You know, I didn't really think too much of it. And then it starts to, you know, affect people around you and you, you hear someone that has it. And that's when I think it hit home for me as, wow, this might be actually serious.
1: Yeah, it's uh it's a lot scarier than what than what I was thinking it was. I mean to me it's like okay, it's a flu, you know, heck the flu kills so many people. I mean this virus is gonna kill the unhealthy ones and you know, but then they start saying, Well, overweight males is the prime deal. Well that sucks I qualify for both both <laughs> categories. <laughs> That's pretty good.
0: That's so. pretty good. And we're seeing on the, on the tournament side of stuff, it seems like everything's getting canceled now. I saw they released this morning the um, Bass Pro Tour on the, the Major League of Fishing stuff just got canceled. They were the only guys that were still kind of rolling with stuff. And um, I think everything's kind of going to be on a, on a shutdown for a while here.
1: Yeah, I think so, too. And, and you know, some of the numbers, I mean... I've got I've got a really good buddy that he is an attorney, but he's not a you know a a C type lawyer. He worked in a medical industry deal, um, mm-hmm. but he follows the stuff really really close. And I mean, so he keeps me updated on so much stuff. I don't even have to read. I mean, this guy just fires up a of me all day long. <laughs> he's a stat great. guy. He's a stat guy from hell. So this guy, is <laughs> and you know, California's predicted fifty six to fifty eight percent of the population is going to get it. New York is saying between forty and eighty percent. Wow. And you know, and I don't know how they face those numbers. And I, you know, I gotta think they're inflated a bit. I have to think that. But yeah. they're you know, they try to put a scare into the people because you know, it's just there was guys like what I was doing last week, you know, I didn't change my life a bit, dude. Yeah. I was I did what I was gonna do and and you know, and that's how these numbers are racking up. It's but I had a long talk with actually a guy in South Korea yesterday. He owns a factory I work with there. And I told him it's hard for the yeah. American people because, you know, we're all, you know, we value our, re- our recreation time. Yeah. And, you know, and, you know, we value our freedom and our freedom of speech. And,
2: <laughs>
1: and you know, you know, that's the way we are. I said, now, if it's like when the towers got bombed. Okay. The Americans are all pissed. They won't fight. Well, this virus isn't something you could just, you know, Point plug fingers or to, you. shoot or nothing. You can't get your hands on it. So, it's it's just different and we're having a really hard time with it. I mean, our people are, you know, they really struggle with that. They don't they just don't realize how bad it is. We're in Korea or china i mean literally they yanked people off the streets put them in their houses and in many cases boarded doors up and in some cases welded the doors shut wow you know you are getting out of there that's that is an odds to god true statement they've welded doors shut i mean they they pull people that tested positive immediately into a quarantine center you have no say you have no rights. you do what you're told and they were able to get a pretty good handle on it pretty quick really yeah um yeah. American people's not going to go for that. who we die who yeah. our freedom? And yeah. it's what makes us American, you know, and
0: uh-huh. So we're going to really struggle with this. I think. No, I, I agree. I agree. No doubt. And, um, you know, kind of going off of that, I guess, you know, you, you, somebody who's been in the, the fishing retail industry for a long time. Now you, you've been through, um, kind of the 2008 recession. What, what major effects do you see this having on both kind of the industry in general and then kind of with with um, the rod business and, and what you're in specifically?
1: Well, I tell you the, the, the big difference is like in 2000, we started the company and gosh, I, now I'm like brain, i thinking I think 2007 and it was right okay. up It was the worst time, but it was a perfect time for us. Mm-hmm. It was a horrible time economically, but for us, it was a perfect time. You know, my son had just lost his job. He was laid off and, you know, and so we decided we'd, you know, we'd always build rods and always tweak with them. So we started at the worst time and everybody said we were going to fail because you can't start it, you know, in the worst of economic time in the world and da 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 da, da. We did. Yeah. Um, um, took a loan against my, took a loan against my house and wow. we you know we started building fishing rods. And <laughs> yeah. we... And it was, you know, times were good. We just, I mean, I, we just didn't see it really bad. Right now, completely different. I really? Mean, I've seen, I've seen basically no. I mean, when I say no, I mean zero dealer orders in the last 10 days. Wow. Um, wow. Big difference. Big difference. And people are really hunkering down. They're not spending money. Mm-hmm. Um, my dealers are all, every one of them on a buying freeze. Wow. Um, completely different. Far worse. Far worse than 2008 as far as I'm concerned. I mean, like, in today, I wouldn't even think about starting a business. In 2007, right in the middle of that deal, I did start a business. <laughs> it's, um,
0: wow. Wow. That's incredible. Yeah. I mean, uh, you know, kind of, and from my understanding, I guess, are you seeing an effect on the supply chain at all from, from kind of products being produced? I mean, it, it sounds like you have inventory, but the, the dealers are the ones not necessarily wanting to, to bring on, you know, more more rods, or are you, do you have the supplies, or is that also getting affected?
1: No, it's not, it's not affecting me at all. I have, I have inventory. I'm the guy that always says, you know, rods don't spoil, they're not bread. So I've mm-hmm. always mm-hmm. got a lot of inventory. It's, okay. that, that's one of the strengths for our company. So I'm very, very healthy in inventory. And, it, and it, we're in our peak season. So truthfully, so my cash flow is not good because all my cash is sitting in a warehouse. Sure, um, sure. In inventory. And it's, and that's by design and plan 100%, mm-hmm. but we didn't plan on this virus. So yeah. it's kind of, a, kind of a hard kick below the belt when I wasn't prepared for that. I mean, I was looking for a great year. We were having great growth. Things were couldn't honestly, couldn't really be any better. We were just rolling it. Mm-hmm. Things were awesome. And then when dealers stopped buying, and I still have some orders. I still have orders coming in. Sure, um, sure. But you know my cash flow is is you know much tighter. I'm am still in good shape compared to I think most rod companies or a lot of the rod companies. Uh-huh. But I want to stay. I want to stay on that front that front edge of taking care of my people, taking care of my factories overseas that I've got orders placed. Because if I order it, you know I'm going to pay for it. That's the way I look at it.
0: I see. I see. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, that makes a lot of sense. And it's just it's crazy how fast this stuff moved. I mean, you're talking, you know, you were just at the Bassmaster Classic. It seemed like that was a hit. The trade show seemed to, to really bring a lot of folks in. Um, how did that go for you guys?
1: For us, it was terrible. I mean, absolutely really? couldn't have been worse, but it was 100% location. Really? They put, us on, they put us on the third floor, which most people didn't even know there was a third floor. Oh, and geez. they put us in basically a conference room down at the end of the hall with five booths total in that room. So it was terrible for us. And they sent a questionnaire out, and truthfully, I responded, and they said, do you want to speak to somebody? And I said, yes, I would. I provided my cell phone number. Uh And I heard crickets, nothing. And I have wrote emails in, you know, told them that, you know, this isn't right, that you guys really should do something to make this right. And, again, crickets, nothing. And I sent it to the people that was the right people in line for the thing, and I still have heard nothing. I'm not real happy about it. Because, you know, if something bad happens, it's all how you handle the situation after the fact. You know, yeah, it's it's the customer service after the fact. And I am hearing zero crickets from Bass, and I will tell you, I simply never support that show again. It's we've always done that show. I mean, uh-huh. always done that show. And this, and I've seen other companies get stuck in, you know, on upper floors and bad places, and and it really sucked. As a couple of times, it were sponsors that I work with. It had never happened to us, you know. So I was just, you know, kind of that guy that, you know, we well, yeah we're going. It's a classic. It's gonna be an awesome show. And truthfully, it was an awesome show as long as you weren't where we were. I see. Um, it was a, it was a great show. The floor was packed. I mean, it was. I don't know if it could have been any better.
0: Yeah, from the show think. side. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. and that, and that's kind of what know. what I had heard, and that's I mean, so is it like a lottery system as far as where you're going to be placed, or or how does that work?
1: No, it don't. They put you where they want to put you. And they used to years ago, they actually give you if you signed up early, you'd get three choices. They would not guarantee you one of those three choices, but they would try very hard. And we always sign up. When it comes out we sign up the first day within the first hour. And you know, but now they don't give you any choice at all. They just put you where they want. And I don't know. I don't know if we just drew the short straw this year or what. I mean, and you know, again, You know, they, truthfully, I mean, I had $7,530 invested in that booth space. You know, I rented a seven-bedroom house. I flew in a whole bunch of my, you know, what I call my 18 staffers that are just absolutely awesome with knowledge of the product as well as very good salesmen. And, you know, we were looking at knocking a home run. You know, we didn't have our two big retailers that are normally in the show be at Dixon Academy. Uh We're not in the show selling this year. So, I mean, I took a twenty four foot trailer load of rods and yeah. you know, and I brought home a twenty four foot trailer load of rods. <laughs> oh, no. oh no. That's
0: not what you want.
1: <laughs> no. And you know, and truthfully, I mean, you know, I just think I mean Bash, first of all, they should at least give me a phone call. Absolutely. Um you know. And second is, you know, I mean I know they're not gonna write me a check and refund my money. I mean yeah. I know, but you know, they, they do have the opportunity to throw me in a few ads and places stuff like that. And just to kind of make up for it. Sure. I think that's being completely reasonable. I think it is too.
0: And and, uh, the other aspect is, okay, maybe, maybe they give you say, Hey, we'll give you a discounted booth on next year's show or something. Because uh, like you said, the biggest thing is mistakes are going to happen. Things are going to happen. People are going to be upset. It's it's the, after the fact that matters is that, that after statement.
1: Yeah. That's called customer service. (laughs) (laughs) And right now, right now they've got a failure in my book. And, uh, You know, and I'm not, I'm not that guy that is, is, you know, I'm not that whiner and complainer of stuff, but, you know, I mean, listen, there was no traffic up there at all and they know it. And I mean, they could, uh, they could easily do something, you know, something just to make it somewhat right. Even just a phone call would be a good start. Yeah. Um, So yeah, I'm, I'm not real happy with those people at the moment.
0: Sure. Sure. Well, I think that's understandable for everyone. Um, do you see? Do you see iCast being majorly affected by this? I mean, we have, I guess, what a couple months here. We've got a little bit of time. It's July, you know. iCast is in July. Um, I mean, do you, could you see that being rescheduled? Do you think that a bunch of products are going to come out, or I, I mean, what are your thoughts there?
1: You know, I think my first thought there is probably. I'm going to guess that it's probably going to be canceled. Um, wow. And the only reason that I say that is because. You know they keep saying this—the warm weather is going to, you know, knock this virus back. But uh-huh. you know, I've read a lot about the countries that have warm climates right now.
0: That's a good know? point.
1: And and they are and they are having a lot of growth with this virus. So, you know, they have warm countries right now that are that are the virus is going nuts in. So why is it going to be different here? I don't. I'm not. After reading everything that I get my hands on, I'm not sure the weather is going to kill it. I don't. I think it's going to help some, but sure. I don't think it's going to kill it off. Yeah, and you know, there's a lot, a lot of vendors come from overseas now. We have a lot of Chinese vendors in the in the iCast show, a uh-huh. lot. Uh-huh. And you know, people are just going to be scared, and they're going to stay home. And I just think the show will probably be postponed, and I think it probably should be postponed. Sure. I mean, they postponed the China Fish show, which is truthfully it's a far bigger show than what you know what iCast is. That really, is okay. And they cancel that in early, like first week in February, they wow, cancel that back. show.
0: Yeah, yeah. Wow, wow, that's incredible. Um, I guess let's uh let's transition a little bit into maybe the story of Dobbins Rods and, and how you found it. You kind of led on there. Um, in two thousand seven, you know, took a took a mo- second mortgage on the home, or it sounds like, and and, uh, got things going, but I guess, where did the idea start and, and, uh, what were you doing before that? And, and kind of just a little bit of background on it.
1: Well, you know, i first of all, a, you know, I was i I'm lucky enough to be a fairly successful tournament fisherman. I mean, I caught them pretty good. I had a lot of good, a lot of, uh, you know, good success fishing. And I had a lot of sponsors actually drag me into the promotional site. and made me learn to be able to talk in front of people because I really struggled with that. Okay. Um, and that's just so really promotion with products, and then I started. I've always been a guy that was really anal about rods and hooks and baits, and so I'm, you know, like a lot of fishermen, I'm always tweaking stuff. Oh gosh, me too. And <laughs> a really, yeah, it's it's a it's a it's what hey, it's sport too. I mean, new products all the time, and it's you know, true. a good friend of mine named Lynn Williams, who's a custom rod builder,
2: mm-hmm.
1: lived in my hometown county, Williams Custom Rods. Great friend of mine to this day, and. uh, you know, we built rods, we tweaked the stuff, and you know, and it just just kind of kind of grew from there. And I, you know, I was helping other companies, a lot of other companies with rods and stuff. And uh-huh. one day we just kind of, when Richard got laid off, he was working with a with a big home builder, and they had like almost 400 employees. And when they got down to number 11, they got him because he was a superintendent for them. Okay. And Richard says, "Let's, you know, Dad, we should start a rod company. We do this for everybody else, we ought to do it for ourselves." And Truthfully, I never wanted to because all I ever wanted to do was fish and promote. Um,
2: yeah, yeah.
1: So we started a rod company. I mean, I was lucky enough to have some really good fishing years, and I paid my house off. Oh, and wow. we took a loan against. Yeah, we took a loan against the house and started a rod company. And you know, we were a little scared. They weren't a lot scared though. Um, uh-huh. We had a. You know, I've done shows with a lot of dealers, so I knew. A, I had a lot of dealer friends to start with so you had that to I knew. the yeah, would support us. And yeah. the other thing that really kicked in is I've done a lot of favors for people through the years. I mean, just oddball stuff. If somebody needed, a, you know, something done on a boat or they had a problem boat, I'd take it out and test drive it. Just just yes. little things and stuff like that. And I never do a favor for a favor.
2: Yeah. But
1: it really came back tenfold when, you know, we started the rod company. I mean, all these guys that I just did these little bitty favors that I thought nothing of, you know, over the years. Yeah. Boy, they just come roaring back like, what can we do to help? Hey, we're going to do this. And, and uh, it was pretty shocking. I remember when we got our first order of rods in and I had six buddies show up that were, I mean, all of them were driving a couple hours away uh-huh. you know, to us to help us unload a truck of rods. And
2: wow.
1: I just, it was just, you know, it, I honestly it made I feel kind of really good, but I never did a favor for a favor, but those favors are never forgotten either.
0: Yeah, yeah, no, that's incredible. It's, it sounds like kind of like a you know, good karma comes back around. You know, you weren't you weren't trying to, to to insinuate that you were gonna you know get something out of do giving someone doing a favor for someone, but in return, you know that stuff comes back, and and that's that's awesome. Goodwill goes kind of a long way.
1: Yeah, it's uh, it's just I mean, it's really special. I mean, you know, fishermen, we're pretty tight knit group too. I mean, it's you know, it's. You know, if you do, you do a good deed, everybody hears about it. If you do a bad deed, everybody hears about it, and uh, <laughs> it's um, and it's what makes really promotion being able to promote products in the bass fishing world the easiest because fishermen, you know, they love to fish, but they also love to talk. And oh, if they like yeah. something, they tell everybody, and if they don't like them, tell that part too.
0: Yeah, yeah, and that's, I mean, that's what's so unique, I think, about this. And I've kind of talked about this on the show before, but I don't think you'll find another sport organization, anything where. You know, someone that you're competing against the next day in a tournament has a trolling motor break, and there's four guys, you know, with a drill replacing the trolling motor the night before the event. You know, it, it seems like it's such a tight knit community, and everyone everyone really looks out for each other in that sense.
1: Yeah, you know that's true. I mean, and we help each other a lot too. I mean, I can't tell you how many times I've been on the water, and you know, if guys aren't catching them. They, you know, they hey, are you catching them? And, I mean, most generally, I mean, I'll tell them how I'm catching them. I, I don't want to throw the same bait in the same spot, but no. I mean, I've been really free with that, and a lot of guys are. And fishermen are pretty darn helpful. And you know, one thing with the tournament scene is, you know, you know, all that trash talk before the tops, like, dude, you're going down. I'm on 35 pounds a day. Oh crap, dude, you <laughs> couldn't catch 35 pounds. If you had a week out here, and, you know. And, <laughs> And you know, all that is uh, that's that's the fun stuff. Oh, I mean just yeah. before blast before blast off, if there was a live microphone out there that could be played, it would be pretty awesome. You're like, you know, <laughs> I'm kicking your butt today, bud. I mean <laughs> I'm a thirty five dude, I was calling five pounders yesterday and you ain't caught a five pounder five years.
0: You know? <laughs> <laughs> oh, makes it fun, man. That's what makes it that's what makes it so dang fun, is the trash talking right there. <laughs>
1: It does. And if you have a problem, I mean the guys are there. I mean gosh, I've towed so many guys in, you uh-huh, know, and I've uh-huh. seen guys get towed in and you know, I had a, a boat mishap and got pitched out of one and I mean guys come over and you know I ended up in the hospital in that round. Oh geez. You know, fishermen are fishermen are always there to help. I mean Yeah. You know. Some yeah. guys are standoffish and more, you know, but the vast majority of fishermen are I mean, you need help, all you gotta do is, you know, you, hey, hey buddy, can you help me with this? I mean, they're there
0: yep no it's incredible that's the way it seems to work how did you uh how'd you get thrown out of a boat you hit something or, or what happened
1: oh well, i just i just bow hooked one and and just caught caught it wrong just mm-hmm. pitched, pitched me out and just you know i just hit wrong and really jacked my back up and spent oh, a little time in the hospital over it and yeah i still i got arthritis and stuff in it but it didn't slow it doesn't slow me down or anything i do everything i want
0: to do sure sure gotcha gotcha well, that's cool to hear the start, you know, of Dobbins. You know, did you, did you, uh, did you have any major setbacks that come to mind along the way?
1: Um, well, yeah. Well, truthfully, yeah, we
0: did. I mean, just when we first
1: started the company, it, um, you know, being that I still was in the fish mode, promotion mode, more than I was in the field mode, I mean, I partnered with Lammaclass, which is, you know, a company that's been around for a long time, and Dick Posey has since passed away, and John Posey was his son that was running it. Yeah, and, I mean, we I mean. actually, and we partnered, actually, and it was still Dobbin Broad, but, you know, we were 50-50 partners. Okay. And, and that's how we started. And the uh, we got into a breakage issue. The factory we were using, once everything was rolling really good and we were paying for Tori products, they actually switched and started using, you know, some of their own, I mean, literally homemade materials, thinking that we wouldn't know. But it did uh... two things. Number one is it changed the actions of the rods. And and it threw us into wide open breakage. I mean, you could just about look at it break, and it was really really, really bad.
2: Huh. And it
1: was, you know, right at the start, really just right in probably a, a year, a year into things, and um, and it had my name on it. Yeah. And you know, and truthfully, Lamb of Glass, they didn't really want. To handle it the way I wanted to handle it, I want to recall all the rods. It's got my name on it, you know. I'm, I mean, I'm not planning on getting out of the rod business, you know. I've got my name on it. I've got to recall the rods, yeah. and they didn't really want to. Um, so we come to the deal. I said, "Well, can I buy you out?" Then they said, "Yes, let us get together and put a figure in mind." Yeah, and. So I had a figure in mind and they come back with a figure in mind that was truthfully much lower than my figure. I mean, I felt like I should have paid them more.
0: Wow. And,
1: but we were good friends, and that's the thing. And to this day, we are still good friends. Mm-hmm. Um, they didn't want to try to take advantage of anything. They wanted me to succeed, even though we were going to, you know, at that point be competitors. Yeah. They wanted me to succeed. And so, I mean, I just agreed with the number that they gave me because, honestly, I thought it should have been more. Yeah. And we parted on good terms. We're still great, friendly companies. I think the world of those guys, you know, Dick has since passed away. Mm-hmm. And John mm-hmm. has since retired out. And his brother is running the company. Gotcha. And truthfully, I don't really know his brother like I knew the others. But, mm-hmm. you know, in the Sacramento show this year, a guy was looking for steelhead rods. And I walked him right up to the lemon glass booth and said, buddy, this guy right here will take care of you. So, yeah, um, yeah but that's how it got started so that was a major setback and i recalled all the rods and truthfully i mean it just about bankrupt because i didn't have the money to be able to do that but it was the only way that i was going to succeed in the industry and i recalled all the rods and you know shut the company down for about 6 months you know refired it up with a with another factory with an engineer that i worked i spent 4 months working with to get it to build it the way that i wanted and we basically launched again, so it was kind of a relaunch.
2: Wow. And yeah.
1: And so we since then, truthfully, we really haven't had a, a we really haven't had a, uh, an obstacle or a slowdown. We've had good growth every single year. Very very fortunate. And I don't want to sound like I'm you know arrogant when I say it that way, but mm-hmm. very fortunate. I brought you know my son was in the company to start with. My daughter is a full blown you know bean counting accounting accountant you uh-huh. know and i mean so she had she covered our weak link you know mm-hmm. me and richard like oh yeah you can you pay us you know when you get caught up you know well that wasn't <laughs> working really well <laughs> so, so my daughter came in as the accountant you uh-huh. know and she's you know highly educated well you know well experienced also in the field and so she set the company straight and but that was still early on that was still within two to three years of going into it. So gotcha,
2: gotcha. we've
1: been it's it's really I started in a shop in my garage shop that was basically it was twenty by twenty two. It was out there was a detached shop and we used half of it. That's so wow. so we basically started in like a, a ten by twenty two area. And within a year we had rented a place that was twenty five hundred square feet. Pretty mm-hmm. soon I always wanted to own my own building though no? and we yeah. actually bought a building and awesome. we, you know, we worked four months rebuilding this building, but it was in really bad shape. Me and Richard just went in and completely redid it. We'd work the rod shop to five o'clock and we'd go over there to the building. We'd work till like 10 or 11 o'clock at night. It took us four months. We, yeah. I mean, we replumbed it, we rewired it. We took it down to two befores and concrete and built it up and it was 6,800 square feet. And it was so stinking big. We had room everywhere, and we're never going to outgrow it. I mean, we're going to be here forever. Uh uh Uh-huh, uh-huh. Lo and behold, we outgrew it.
0: Well, that's (laughs) that's a good problem to have.
1: It is a good problem to have. It's just that it threw it. It was a problem, though, because we— You know, at that point, we're in California mm-hmm. and, you know, to build something in California has become the biggest nightmare that I've ever tried in my life. Uh, with the permits and the requirements and the laws and tell me what plants I was going to have to plant and how I was going to build it. Uh-huh. And then we come uh-huh. down to the cost. And I absolutely realized this isn't going to work and I'm leaving California.
2: Yeah. And yeah,
1: we went to Texas. Which I've been there a lot, I've fished there a lot. I love the area, I love the people, yeah. and I built a 30,000 square foot warehouse that I'm telling you I'm never going to outgrow, and <laughs> I really believe I'm never going to outgrow that.
0: <laughs> well, that's, you know, I mean, I, I hope uh, in a couple of years you call me back and saying I actually outgrew it, I had no idea. <laughs>
1: No, because I, right now I've got so much room that, you know, we kind of just got everything spread out. It's okay. just, I mean, we're, yeah. so we, we could tighten it up and clean it up and organize it better than what it is. No, we're very well organized, but we just got a room that, you know, we've got five, six foot aisles between rod, you know, rod racks and stuff. Or, you know, in California, we had like two and a half feet.
2: Sure. I mean, sure. I can,
1: I can tighten stuff up a lot. It's, but we got a lot of room, which makes it easy. I really built a really nice facility because I built it from the ground up. So, you know, all my guys' workplace, when all their packing rods, it's all climate controlled. So, you know, Texas gets pretty warm in the summer, but it's sure. not warm in that shop. So, I mean, oh, I awesome. take care of my employees. And, and yeah. um, you and, know, and, and honestly, things were really good before this stinking virus decides to slap us upside <sighs> the head. It's crazy.
0: It's crazy. And, you know, kind of going back to with, with moving from California to Texas, so... Um, I think you know we, we've been seeing kind of a trend of of businesses doing that, and the one that comes to mind is Weatherby Rifles moving from California to Sheridan, Wyoming. Same kind of reason, also tax purposes, especially with Wyoming. Texas also has that you know that advantage. Um, that's where where are you in Texas?
1: We're in Sulphur Springs. It's uh, it's way up in the northeast corner. Okay. Um, it's. I went there for several reasons. Number one, Lake Fork was there. That's what put me in the area to start with. We're 30 minutes from Lake Fork. Awesome. Um, the people are so stinking nice. It's unbelievable. There's all country folk. And we live in rural, we're in California. We're rural here
0: too. Yeah, um, yeah.
1: It's, um, I just love the area. The climate is not that different from here. People think about Texas and all the humidity, but truthfully, it's really not what we are. Because, but yeah. You're up on the north end. Yeah. yeah it's It's slightly more humid. But you know, the only time I notice it really is in the summertime. If I'm really, if I'm outside physically working, I notice I sweat more. I mean, yeah. But it's not a it's not a big deal. The Mm -hmm. biggest deal difference between Texas and California is the weather swings. You know. Okay. You know, yeah. California's highs and valleys and peaks is you know like the foothills, just low. And Texas, it, it goes. I mean. It may be 80 one day and 40 the next. It's, uh, <laughs> it's you a know, big drop. California, down. we don't have that in California. The Texas weather, the old thing is if you don't like the weather, wait 10 minutes, it'll change. That's not too far from being real accurate.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, we see that here in Colorado, too. And, um, you know, I kind of with what you're saying in California, I, I fished a tournament on Clear Lake um, in a college series, I think last, I guess it would have been two summers ago. And yeah, you know, I, I, my, my only time in California had been in San Diego and, and I really hadn't experienced Northern California and central California and going through and everything. And, and, you know, I'm an ag business student and work in farm and ranch real estate. And I was like, man, this place is incredible. You know, if it, if the state regulation wasn't at what it was, you know, I, it, it's a wonderful place. I, could, I couldn't believe how pretty it was and um, kind of had all the components that I really look for in, in the outdoors and the, and the fishing's awesome. And, man, it's just wish it was a different situation as far as regulations go.
1: <laughs> you know, I agree with you. I tell you, California is beautiful. I mean, the weather's awesome. And, you know, when we live way up in, you know, in the northern end of the valley, it's, uh, you know, we can be in the mountains in snow in like 30 minutes. We can mm-hmm. be in the ocean in two hours. You know, we're wow. we're two hours from Reno if we want to go to Nevada. Um, it's just everything is close, and it's rural. You know, we don't have to deal with, you know, the high-volume traffic and stuff. The only negative part is, and fishing is awesome, okay? <laughs> yeah. And truthfully, hunting is awesome. We have great hunting here, too. It's hard to get some of the tags and straws and stuff. But, yeah, yeah. But for a sportsman, it's great. Yeah. But the regulations that, you know, that these – you know these guys in the cities want to slap into this state, and they just there's no common sense factor. Period, and they're driving businesses out of this state like crazy. Yeah, and they're not going to change. Um, they're not going to change. Um, you know I I mean I was born and raised here. I live I, I'm California. Where well, we lived in Northern California, which I still have a house there. Yeah, we uh, I'm really, I'm not even. Seven or eight miles from where I was born. That's how far I've really moved around. You know, I'm within seven miles of where I was born. Same thing with my
2: wife. Yeah.
1: Um, But Texas, I got to tell you, I really, really like it. That's awesome. First of all, the economy is better. I mean, gasoline is half. Yeah. You know, property property values are half. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and all of that said and done, and there's lakes everywhere. I mean, you don't, the big lakes you hear of, but what you don't hear of is there's 10 or 12 around those that you don't know about. Yeah. So there's so much fishing. Everybody fishes. There's bass boats sitting in, you know, every driveway it seems like. Uh-huh. But the, still the biggest thing is is how friendly the people are. That's the thing that gets you, and it's yes, ma'am, and no, sir, and thank you, ma'am. And we do not do that in California. No. and you yeah. quickly, you quickly get caught up in it. Though, I mean, I I I I do it all the time now. And you know, I said thank you, ma'am, to a lady in you know in a Walmart store here in California day and she looked at me like I you know I said something <laughs> to slide her, and I didn't. I didn't. It's, it's wow. Texas is just the way of life. People are far more polite. You turn a turn signal on, they're going to let you in. Yeah. You know, you walk up to a crosswalk. That car is going to stop, and you're going to walk across. And even if you wave them across, you know, like no, 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 we're good. We'll just wait for you to cross the crosswalk. It's completely different. And and yes, it is a rural town. Uh-huh. Um, it's only sixteen thousand five hundred people, which is you know really good. I mean, good the size. only thing I lack, the only thing I lack is a Home Depot. But we do have a Lowe's. Okay. Other than that, <laughs> gosh, everything is everything I need is there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome! You found a new home. So, so then, did your son Richard also also move as well?
1: He did not. Okay. He um he stayed in California. He's um both of my kids are walnut farmers. Oh, really? And you know, ninety percent of the world's production in walnuts is grown in Northern California. Mm-hmm. Of the world's production, oh, yeah. Wow. So wow. they both have walnut orchards. Um, we come back and visit often, sure. and they come out and they come out and visit. And we make the most of it. I tell you, one day I think that they will end up in Texas. Really? I really do. Yeah, I really do. And um, there's just, you know, we of course, you know, we're we'll tight down family. We talk, and you know, they see the way California's going, and it's not going the direction that people like us like it to go. Sure. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to be surprised it, um, my daughter was actually going. She stayed, but she still runs all of because she's computers. She still runs the still runs the business completely. Um, yeah. um, and i you know I talk to her 25 times a day, but she is in <laughs> California. But yeah. her husband is he has a weird kind of occupation. I mean he uh, he's um, he helps breed different strains of rice. It's crazy oh, cool. as that sounds. Yeah. And when he was going to Texas, his company decided he wasn't going, and they just enough dollars and cents of him to make him stay, and he loves what he does. Yeah. I mean, he really does. Mm-hmm. Um, so they was able to basically buy them, buy that family off to stay. And Richard, you know, orchards doing really well, and you know he's, you know, really doing a lot of pruning and training the trees. And you know, he's at that early stage. He got his first harvest last year. Oh, cool, um, cool. It, um, but they I still think that we're going to end up with them in Texas. Gotcha,
0: gotcha. Wow, well, that's that's cool stuff, and yeah, I mean, it, I mean, I understand the, the thought process is staying for those reasons, you know. I mean, and in today's world, with your daughter, you can run almost anything from anywhere. It seems, in, in the, from a from that standpoint, with the computer stuff, so that seems like a seems like a good fit for you guys.
1: Yeah, well, it was probably the biggest obstacle we had. You know, if you asked that long ago, but I kind of skipped it. The biggest obstacle was really going to Texas with a bunch of new people. Oh, I sure. Mean, yeah, that was probably the biggest obstacle. But you know, we had a you know, a gal that worked with us here in Yuba in, uh, in Yuba City, California named Lindy and she came she had two little kids too, but she said she quote, owed it to me to come to Texas and train the people because you know, she's I mean, we honestly we consider her family. Yeah. Um, and she uh, and she was going to come to start with, and they, you know, they actually lived in Texas for a while, and they loved Texas. They're gonna come back, but you know, some different things happen. They end up staying in California. But Lindy came.
2: Uh-huh. And
1: she spent two weeks out there and really, you know, training all the people in the front end. You know, the the, the counting and I mean the uh, the write ups of the orders and stuff. The uh-huh. back end I could handle. I could handle that pretty easily myself. Pack and rods. That's just you know. Yeah. I labor. could do that. Not yeah. a big deal. So. Yeah. So she helped the front end and, and uh and I helped the back end and that was probably the biggest obstacle. And we went enormously you know, we went through a few people, but we've got really good people now and and uh, and it's really good. The everything is great except for this last virus crap. Ugh
0: yeah, yeah. Oh no, well that that's good to hear. Um, you know, and kinda going back to the, the Weatherby moving to Sheridan, Wyoming, they kinda had that same thought process of you know, how are we going to move folks or, or who's going to be interested in staying, who's interested in going. And, you know, maybe there's some simulation or s- similarity there that, um, a lot of their employees were sportsmen and, and hunters and, and that kind of a thing. And, and so I think they were able to move some number, like like 30, they had 70 employees total. And I think they moved 36 of them went with them. Um, and, and, wow. and that was, uh, primarily based on the fact that they were hunters, and anglers, and all that kind of stuff, and and again, more into the western state stuff, but they're big game hunters primarily, and they said, well, Sheridan, Wyoming's, you know, there's a lot of big elk and a lot of big deer around, and uh, Wyoming is awesome, really awesome to residential hunters, and so they said, you know, 36 of them without kind of families, and and where it wasn't a conflicting situation, they moved with them, so.
1: Yeah, I love Wyoming, to be honest with you, I spent a lot of time there, you know, I'm a avid hunter myself, but I, I used to hunt there, almost every year it used to be pretty easy to draw tags. yeah a yeah. great state i mean it's a great business state oh my oh gosh my goodness,
0: it's a great yeah. business state yeah 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 no i think uh, i've got so i'm i'm in fort collins colorado up here so i'm pretty close to, to the wyoming border and i've got a lot of friends that went to university of wyoming and and i know the law school um a lot of those lawyers are are you know, working for companies all around the world because their LLC is in Wyoming or, you know, they're for tax purposes, all that sort of stuff. Business wise, it makes a lot of sense to be in Wyoming.
1: Yeah, it does. I mean, and it's a great state. It gets, it's a little chilly in the wintertime. That's um, the only
0: kicker and windy, a lot of wind. <laughs> yeah.
1: And a lot of wind, but man, they have absolutely, I mean, awesome. Not only hunting. I mean, they've got like world class trout fishing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's insane how good it is. Um, you know, and their bass is a little more weak side, of course, or more yeah. fish. But it, uh, it, uh, but the trout fishing, you know, there's plenty to do in Wyoming for sportsmen, and it, it's a sportsman's
0: paradise. Absolutely, absolutely, awesome. Um, well, hey, I did have one question for you. On, I guess, I noticed I was on tackle warehouse the other day. It seems like I'm on tackle warehouse every other day um but uh you know you've got a lot of the if, if you just go through you know top rods sold it seems like you guys really push a lot of rods to tackle warehouse i mean you're one of the best sellers on tackle warehouse how has that relationship been for you um and they're out of california as well so um, i guess can you speak a little bit on that relationship
1: you know they're really good honestly they're uh, i know that i know the owners well and the buyers extremely well i mean they're you know i go Truthfully, I used to drive a lot of their orders down to them because it was a six hour drive one way, and their orders were big enough that it would save me a ton of money in shipping and even packing time with the, with the guys in the back end. So I'd drive the orders down. Oh, wow. Okay. Six hours. Yeah. Six hours down, you know, usually a one hour lunch break where we'd all go out and, you know, and shoot the bull talk fishing and the stuff. And then a six hour drive home, it, was, it just wasn't a bad deal. No. Yeah. Um, great company. Customer services. I mean, absolutely awesome. They, um, they just do everything right. And I've got a lot of really, really good dealers. But I'm telling you, Tackle Warehouse is almost everybody's number one dealer. They just do things extremely well. Um, they're nice guys. They order often, and they pay on time. I mean, it, <laughs> it's... It, the best uh, situation you can have. <laughs> I'm telling you, it, they will
0: spoil you. It's a great company. Oh, that's cool. That's cool. Um, You know, and, and Saw... I, well, I guess earlier this year, I don't I don't know how much more we're going to have fishing stuff going on, um, at least in the near future. But with Paul Mueller uh, winning, uh, those kind of pro level guys, how have those relationships developed, and and um, you know where are they at at this kind of this kind of stage?
1: You know, Paul came. Paul came at uh, actually Betsy Steele, who actually does a lot of pro staff work for me, and still still to this day, she actually. Uh, post-Paul put Paul on back when he was fishing at the co with FLW. Really? And that's where we started with Paul. Yeah, so he's been with us for a long time. And, mm-hmm. you know, Paul seemed to rise, but he just stubbed his toe hard in this last classic. But that's just fishing. I mean, sometimes you go right and they go left, and that's just what happens. But sure. The guy has a he has a pretty good knack for doing really well in major, major events. I mean, he was – one fish away from one in a classic was a last time guy. there four years ago. Yeah. Yeah. As a yet yeah, true, true. As a nation guy, yeah. Yeah. And he just stuck his toe on day one and only weighed three fish and come back with maximum bags on max days two and three. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. but he's won he's won the Federation. He's won he's won a bunch of those big things and him going to Florida this year, which is truthfully his probably his biggest weak link is Truly. Florida.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Truly. Um but, you know, he's a fisherman, and he got a little something going, and he expanded on it and expanded on it. And he did not go to Florida with the thought of winning in mind. I mean, he went down there, you know, was like if I get them, if I him figured out, I can catch him, I can win, but it's just not my deal. Yeah. His deal is more, you know, you know, deeper, clear, bigger reservoirs. I mean, uh, you know, fishing deep, smallmouth, yeah. you know, that kind of thing. And for him to do it on a swim jig, you know, in Florida – it just proves. It just goes to show you. I mean, he's a fisherman. You know, he got something going. He built it. He had his little area, and nobody really found him, and he just yeah caught him and
0: one. That was incredible. No, and, and you know, I listened to some interviews on him and and that kind of stuff after that event. and He said, you know, and I followed Paul for a really long time, and and you know, his YouTube content is awesome on on you know talking through electronics and, and dropping on them and, and talking through the rods and everything. And, and he is not a Florida guy. I mean, his mindset is all right, I'm going to get the check in Florida. And he goes through and he said, I was having a bad practice, this th- sort of thing. And I just ran, just ran farther somewhere away and found something. And he said, I can tell you no one else found it. And he said, if there was someone else in there, that is not my strength. Someone with a better strength would have beat me, but because no one else found it, he was able to, to win off of it, which is just awesome.
1: And it happens with fishing. I mean, that's, yep. you know, that's the thing. It uh, you know, you just keep looking and looking and even if you have a horrible practice, I mean, I've won a lot of tournaments where I had a horrible practice. And I mean, this, this tournament's just going to be a total tanker, you know, mm-hmm. but you go out and you get a bite and then you get another bite and it clicks. You go, Oh, this is not even hard at all. I can catch <laughs> these suckers, you know, and, you know, and I mean, and you win and it's, and it honestly is probably, it probably feels more special, really, when you do it that way than, than when you're on them. You go into it, you know you're going to have a good tournament. and you just don't know if you're going to have enough to win. But you know you're going to be in the thick of it. Yeah, you expect to be in the thick of it. versus going out there thinking this is going to be a serious foot kicking of all times. You
0: know, and all of a sudden you catch one, you catch
1: another one, and the door opens. And I mean, you just start loading the boat. Yeah, and uh, yep. those are special.
0: Those are the special days for sure. And it's just incredible when that happens. Oh man, yeah, I'm. I'm anxious to get on the water with that in mind. I think a lot of our tournament stuff's kind of getting canceled. I guess you know. Speaking of that stuff, where are you, are you fishing? Any tournaments this year? Are you um, learning the Texas lakes at all, or are you? You know, what's your thoughts there?
1: Well, I've been gonna. This is a, this is gonna be a down year for me, truthfully. And the reason it is is health. Is I just had a completely reconstructed left shoulder, um, and it set me down bad. And I have been I'm six weeks last Friday into it. And it postponed a knee replacement that I was going to get and then do the shoulder afterwards. The shoulder then become a priority. So it's kind of a downer year for me. Sure. I haven't been fishing the amount of tournaments that I like. Mm -hmm. I I love to fish tournaments. You can go out and catch a five pounder fun fish, and it's a five pounder. You catch a five pounder in a tournament, and I mean, it's a rush that if you're not a tournament fisherman, it's hard to explain. You yeah, know, it,
0: you're you're dead on with that, and I, I it's it's yeah. that's it's a, such a I mean, <laughs> it's funny that you bring that up. You know, I'll have buddies listening to this podcast that are going to say. Dude, that's exactly what you always say. Friends that that don't tournament fish, you know, they don't. They're like, well, why did you know? You just went and caught a two and a half pounder, and doesn't really do anything for you on that, you know, on this lake. But a two and a half pounder on a lake, like maybe Shasta, you know, or something where it's where it's not really gonna. I mean, other than a couple of giant ones, but it's it's gonna play. It means so much more, and and there's that feeling, that rush of, of catching one under under the gun, you know, and and especially when you catch a big one in a tournament, it is just. I don't even. I don't even get this close to the same feeling if I just catch a big one, fun fishing.
1: No, it's just not the same. And people that people that don't tournament fish, they just that's the rush that we're that just drives us. It uh, you know, I mean, you just you know, you catch a five pounder. I mean, I caught thousands of five pounders, you uh-huh. know, but in a uh-huh. tournament, five pounder jumps out there and it's like, oh my.
0: When it's a five pounder, when you're fun fishing, you're, you know, you're screwing around thinking about boat flipping yeah. it. You know, you don't yeah. care. <laughs> yeah,
1: exactly. It's, uh, it's just a completely different deal. And and I, I, abs- I miss that rush. I mean, sure. look, I love the fish. I love the fish, but I love the tournament fish. we just, it's just so much more, um, I don't know. I don't know how to say it. It's just such a bigger rush, you know. It is. I mean, a two pounder falls off like lake meat. Okay. I mean, I caught a lot of two pounder lake meat. I mean, uh-huh. a two pounder falls off on a fun day. Who cares? Yeah. Two pounder comes off during a tournament day, and you literally, man, you want to sit there and cry about <laughs> it. <I> mean,
0: <laughs> that might have been a check
1: right there. You know. I mean, <laughs> yeah.
2: it's
1: it's just the uh, it's just uh, the highs and lows in the tournament is just incredible the lows suck oh, they yeah. suck bad <laughs> mm-hmm. you know but and there's way more lows than there are highs because you lose you know a thousand times than you're gonna win but man when you get to when you get to that position to win i mean that high is worth all of those you know all of those bad days it Absolutely. just makes up for all of them
0: yeah and that's something to kind of remember in the tournament world too is a lot of folks you know get wrapped up in the win and all this kind of stuff and I mean, the best of the best. We're talking the KVDs, those guys. I think I heard a stat somewhere where it was like they win under, you know, 8% of the time when he was in his prime. Like there's, it's still such a low, you don't win very often. You lose a lot more than you win. And it's a, it can be really taxing on people, but that's just how it works. You know, it's, it's just crazy that way.
1: You know, it's how it is. It's the fact that there's, so many good anglers and it's the fact that number one is you got to go out there and beat the fish number one you ain't going to do anything you go beat the fish Mm -hmm. and once you beat the fish you know then you've got to go in and see how you fared against the anglers to see if they beat the fish or not and did you beat them better than they did and and it's just it's just hard and you know you I mean many times I thought I have got the winning back this is there's no way I mean this is crazy to have as much weight as I've got (laughs) and go in and get second or third. You know, (laughs) it's, you know, and a couple of times, you know, I can remember a BASF on Shasta, Uh I think it was like a long time ago, I was like 99. On the last day, I mean, I just stubbed my toes so stinking hard, it was horrible, Uh weighing good bags, and I just didn't catch them on the last day. And I was throwing a jerk bait and I didn't catch them, and I picked a worm rod up and I weighed like Five seventy one for a limit. I Uh mean, I just totally tanked it. And I go in and I'm just I'm in a dumps. I can't believe I caught five pounds of fish on the last day. Uh I just didn't get no bites. And and every single person in the top ten weighed five something the last day and I won.
2: Wow. And
1: I won. Yeah. It was Incredible, and that that was another just a mind blowing deal. I mean, I went in just like this sucks. I hope I could stay in the top ten. You know, I just totally tanked this day, and I just don't know what I did wrong. What the, you know, what happened? The weather didn't change. Uh-huh. You know, I just what did I do? And you go in and find out it just didn't seem to bite that day. I mean, everybody just everyone struggled. You know, yeah, and it was. It was just a weird, weird deal. It doesn't normally play out. When you stuck your toe, somebody's right there to take your spot. Oh, and yeah. That's the way it normally is.
0: Uh huh. Uh huh. No, exactly. It's, it's crazy how that stuff works. So it seems like, um, you know, we're seeing more and more with this live coverage of, of both bass and the MLF and all that stuff. You know, it's incredible to me how a whole lake can turn on or turn off. You know where the, where everyone is catching them at the same time. You know where there's a cycle where the fish turn on, and it seems like every there's they're having to switch between everyday and camera because everyone is catching them, and then it switches to a, a lull where no one's catching them, and it's it's incredible to me how everyone can struggle. You're talking about the best anglers in the world, and everyone can can catch them. You know, and it's it just it's it's a. There's a, the unknown variable in tournament fishing that makes it so I think attractive in that sense too. Is that it's it's you're not competing. I mean you're competing against the fish for you know like you said in the first case, and there's so many uncontrollables when you're talking that way.
1: You know there is. It's it's really weird because you can go in a body of water one week and you know say it's taken thirty pounds to win and you know and twenty five pounds is top ten, and then you might hit that same body of water the next week and seventeen wins. It's truly, it's crazy. It's just crazy the way it happens that way. And, and I tell you, I really, really screwed up on the California Delta one time because, you know, it'd been taking, it'd been taking 28 to 30 pounds to win. And we sat in there with about 17 pounds uh-huh. and they just started biting. The tide had changed. They just started biting. And I told my partner, let's screw, screw the way and Let's sit here and catch these suckers and get even with them, yeah. you know, for not biting all day. Yeah. And we had about 17 pounds with like a five pound kicker. Uh-huh. and so we didn't go to weigh it, we continued to fish, yeah. and 16 pounds won the tournament, and a five pounder was big fish, and we had to win it back, and we didn't go to weigh it, it uh, because just the way the fishing had been going, you know, and we've been catching them too, and all of a sudden, we didn't catch them, but neither did anybody else, Yep. Um, it's just the way fishing is, I'll tell you the one thing that, that really bothers me more than that, though, is like, You get on a big body of water, you know, especially it's got big, long river arms or something. It's amazing how sometimes one arm is dead and another arm is not. That is, that's the one thing that I really wish I could figure out more than anything. It's like, why is one part of the lake dead and the other part of the lake is really, really on?
0: Yeah, and and it's it's sometimes in a situation like that, you know, um, it's not... It's not simple, right? Like, I mean, there's obviously, uh, and I've spent some time in Texas on like Rayburn or Toledo Bend where we're one arm, you know, giant lakes where one arm has all the grass in it. So that makes sense. But there's times on lakes lakes where they're completely the same water temps, the same, and you've caught fish in that arm before, and you know, they're there, but then the other arm that's the same has them bite. You know, I mean, that's just crazy. It's crazy.
1: Makes no sense. Yeah. I mean, there's just, you just can't figure it out. And, and you know, the good thing when you fish a lot, I mean, when I was really doing well in tournaments, I fished all the time. I fished a lot. So my decisions were quick. I mean, if it didn't feel right, I was gone. Yeah. And now I, truthfully, I'm not fishing as much. I have a full-time job with a rock company now. Uh-huh. Uh-huh. I'm not fishing as much. And and the biggest thing that's killing me is my decisions. I just don't, I don't make that snap decision like I used to. Mm-hmm. It didn't feel right. I was gone. Now, I find myself sit there and I'm trying to, I'm trying to force feed them. I mean, these fish are here. I know they're here. Why can't I catch them? Instead of like, heck with this, I'm Boom, gone. Next spot. Yeah. And so last year on Shasta, yeah. I had, a, I had a bad day. I mean, it was like, it was like one o'clock in the afternoon. And I mean, this sucks. I mean, I've got a few fish in the boat. i got nothing basically. And I run across another really good angler that's a good friend of mine. Uh-huh. And he said, you suck. I said, you don't know how bad I suck. He, I said, are you catching He goes, no, I suck too. And I'm like, I said, no, look at this guy. I mean, this guy's a stud fisherman. I'm a pretty gosh darn good fisherman too. Uh-huh. And I picked that trolling motor up. And I I mean, that rooster tail, you could see it for a mile. <laughs> I'm like, I am out of here. I dropped the trolling motor. And in 10 minutes, I would called everything in my well and caught two limits of fish. I mean, it was just like almost cast for cast for cast. I was catching them. And all I did was change, you know, change a complete arm of the river. I run, you know, 20 miles,
2: uh-huh. dropped
1: the trolling motor, and it was like I was fishing in an aquarium. They were just biting every cast. Wow. Where I just spent all morning, you know, and I, honestly, that was in the pit river arm with shafts and I came out of the sack river arm. Okay. The sack was dead, and I, I don't know why. I did notice as I was running out that there was no other boats there. Hey, everybody else realized this lake is just dead up here, and i left. <laughs> And I'm still up here trying to force feed them. And I get down in the pit, I drop the troll motor and immediately start catching fish. Wow. You know, that's the thing that I just I've never been able to understand. There's no grass. Yeah. You know, there's no cover change. I mean we're fishing long, walkie tapered points. It's uh-huh. a big deal. Um, why the difference in a lake? Can one part of the lake be so on and one part of the lake be so off? But it happens.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, and and so were you up there? Were you fishing a, a Wild West Bass Trail, or what were you? What what series were you? Fishing yeah,
1: that was true. Agree, it was a Wild West Bass Trail.
0: Okay, awesome. Um, and I saw you guys. You guys uh, have a contingency program with them, I think this year, right? Yeah, we do.
1: It, um, we do. We uh, we run a good contingency program. I mean, I mean, me and Matt Morgan and, and Angie Morgan and wife, we started that trail totally, and we owned it oh, wow. for two years. And cool. And um, yeah, we built up and, you know from the ground up and. You know, lined all the sponsors and got that thing really rolling, and it was. You know, I realized I had to get out of California uh-huh. and move to uh-huh. Texas. So, therefore, we, you know, we sold it off at that point. Matt still runs American Crop. Matt and Angie still run American Crappie Trail, which is oh cool. You know, the really the best crappie trail going. You know, very successful, great people, and um, they do well with it.
0: Oh, that's awesome! That, so, when you're when you were running it, were you able to still fish it?
1: Nope, I couldn't. Uh, that was that was the downfall. And uh, let me okay. tell you, as running tournaments looks really easy when you're sitting on a boat out in the water. <laughs> what are you're complaining does. about it, complaining how yeah, long the way it takes and this
0: and that, yeah.
1: <laughs> there is a whole lot of work to run an event and doing it right. And truthfully, we did it right. I mean, we televised events. We paid more than a hundred percent, more than hundred percent payback. We did it. We did it right, and it was a lot of work. But I tell you, the worst part was standing on the dock at blast off you know, calling numbers, watching everybody else go fishing when, you know, you're going to go back up there and get ready for the weigh in and work through the day and stuff. And they're out there
0: catching fish. You talk about (laughs) a thing that sucked, dude, that sucked a lot. (laughs) I believe that. I absolutely believe that. (laughs) Oh man. Well, that's good. You know, uh, I, uh, noticed, you know, kind of went through social media, all that kind of stuff. You guys really have an awesome social media presence. Um, it seems like also, more than anywhere else, I think, you guys post a lot of fan photos and that kind of stuff, you know, on your Instagram, on your Facebook, all that kind of stuff. Um, you wanna talk a little bit about your social media?
1: Yeah, boy, you couldn't have hit me any any better below the belt there. Um, <laughs> I am like I am like the worst guy that you're ever gonna to talk to with computer social
0: media. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um well, you're but doing I a have, great job. Let me tell you.
1: <laughs> well, it's not, it's not that I'm doing Yeah. Well, I mean, your company. I should say. <laughs> yeah. We've got some good people in place that help us with that a lot. Truthfully, awesome. I mean, I'm horrible. I'm horrible at it. Um, I don't even have an Instagram account, and yeah. but I know it's a it's a big part of you know it's a big part of promotion in today's world, and well, yeah. I've got people that help me and. And I've got a really good staff, and we're really picky about our staff. We don't put anybody on. I mean, they just about almost have to be referred by either a dealer, you know, one of our sales reps, or one of my other staffers. So we get good guys. Yeah. Good gals and guys and good gals. And, and they, they know our weakness. And, you know, our biggest weakness, I think that is our biggest week. Really? We do really well. In, yeah, I do. I okay. mean, we do well in customer service. We do well in quality of product. Uh-huh. And I think our biggest, our biggest weak link is, you know, the promotion side and, and particularly social media. Yeah. Um, so I'm glad you think we're doing a good job. Cause I honestly kind of
2: wow. suck at it, but, wow. it, uh,
1: um, but we do a lot of fan stuff and we, you know, even in our catalogs, we put a lot of photos in our catalogs and stuff. And, you know, we try to, you know, we try to show that we do a lot with kids, mm-hmm. you know, we do, a, you know, a lot with the ladies. Um, and of course the guys are always going to be there fishing.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
1: It's um, But I, I do think we could do better there. And trust me, I, that is, I'm horrible at it. It's people that's helping me with it is, <laughs> you know, is a reason that we're there.
0: Sure. Sure. Well, I, I mean, uh, just from an outsider's perspective of just looking at this stuff, I really think you guys have a solid uh, following as far as um that, what I kind of meant with the fan photo stuff is I don't really see too many people do that, but you guys kind of repost pictures of fans with Dobbins gear and that kind of stuff often on your on your social media stories and that kind of a thing, and I think that kind of almost builds a community around around the product and around you know fishing and all that kind of stuff. So um, I think you're better off than you think. Well,
1: that's, I'm glad to hear that, honestly. I mean, I probably, I, one thing I do do is I do literally hundreds and hundreds of emails a day. And, mm-hmm. you know, I, I answer a lot of raw questions. We get a lot of questions shot in, you know, emailed in. And, and I handle most of all them, just about all of them. Mm-hmm. Um, and I always say at the bottom, now you owe me a fish pick, and I'll throw a couple of smiley faces behind it. Uh-huh. You know, it's uh-huh. like, I, made, I said this, in fun. The truth of it, the they send us picks, and we
0: use them. Yeah, <laughs> well, exactly, exactly. And, it, oh, that's awesome that's good stuff Oh, man um, you guys have moved into the, the the bait market right I mean you're you're now producing spinnerbaits, uh, some jigs and, and some swim bait heads if I'm not mistaken
1: yeah we do and, I mean truthfully I mean I've always been that guy that's tinkered with stuff uh-huh. um, you know I I'm a too, who's fanatic and I've hand poured all my jigs I mean, I might fish, you know, just any old jig in practice. But when a tournament starts, it's going to have a Gamakatsu 604 hook in it. Or it's going to have one of their EWG hooks. I mean, I just frantic about it. So I poured a lot of jigs and hand-tied my own jigs and stuff for years um actually i've uh, just a side funny story on that with fred Rubanus, you know good old freddie boom boom
2: uh-huh. freddie
1: used to tie jigs and spinnerbait for me when he was a kid really? you know and that's that's how long we, i've known fred and that's you know how far we go back but that's, that's cool. a side point of on that anyway i just you know i'm a spinnerbait guy spinnerbait jerkbait you know is a couple of my big deals and uh-huh. so i built Spinner baits, first off. I mean, I hate a spinner bait head that the strands get wrapped around and you slow roll the bait in and it's kind of balled up at yeah, the end with a yeah. certain material. It's a wasted cast. And, uh-huh. you know, I like, you know, big time spinning blades. So, I mean, I've built stainless steel blades. Instead of using a regular copper like everybody does, they spin really, really easy. And to my knowledge, there's not another company in the U.S. using stainless steel, you know, plated blades. They're just that I know of. Uh,
2: okay.
1: Um, they're just easier. The skirts are, the skirt is hand tied. It's perfectly balanced. So every strand is tied side to side to side to side all the way around that wow. base. Wow. The great. lady that does it ties 300 a day. I couldn't tie three in a day. <laughs> um, but she does a great job. Every, everything has got a, you know, a location for that color strand. I mean, really picky about that. And, and that's, you know, that's what really got me started on the baits is I used to tie all my own stuff. You know, jigs. I'm really picky about hook points and angles, and you know, weed collars not falling out, and you know, a specific place for a jig to be. I hate slip on skirts, so everything we do is hand tight You know, oh, nail yeah. weights. You know, I mean, nail weighting this Nico rig or whatever you want to call it. I call it yeah. nail weight cinco the most. It's uh, uh-huh. it's crazy, but there's not a nail weight out there that I like. Well, I really? made one. Okay. And, yeah, I mean, it's short. Uh-huh. It's got a little lead ball on the end, yep. so most of the weight is, you know, it's stuck up in the sinkhole, but there's a good portion of it still outside. I'm not explaining that worth a darn. No, I see what you're saying. It doesn't saying. fall out.
2: Yeah.
1: It doesn't fall out, uh-huh. and it doesn't make that two or two or inches of that sinkhole rigid, you know? It's still going to have uh, a lot of wiggle because, uh, you know, so you get a lot more movement and life out of your base. and I call it uh, a stupid little nailing weight. It's just the best one out there. and Gotcha. And we we sell those things by the pallets. It's unbelievable. And bait heads is another thing. I get so tired of gluing my fingers together uh-huh, because uh-huh. there's none out there with a good enough barb that you can slide a swim a yeah, swimbait yeah. up there and they that thing's going to stay. Yeah. Well, ours, I put a four-barb system. I did the same thing on the jigs for trailers. Okay. There's a four-barb system. I just tell the guys, you need to rig that kitek on there straight because... You're going to tear it up if you have to slide it off and re-rig it to get it straight. Sure. So just be take your time and put it on straight. <laughs> it's got four barbs, you know, and okay. you will not, you do not have to use super glue. Um, it's not coming off. And you just need to be sure and rig it straight the first time so you don't tear the bait up if I have to straighten it. Just, I, everything I did bait-wise was just to make, the fix stuff that I see problems that I had during the day with the baits I was using. Uh-huh. It's just fixes. Um yeah. You know, and you know we honestly we do well with them. I mean, they're really, truly every one of them almost a custom bait. Um,
0: you know, just like hand tied. Super detailed. What I want to fish with. Yeah, yeah, well, that's awesome. You know, and and you kind of led to this earlier. One last kind of question I had for you for sure is, is in the industry in general. It sounds like you have you know your you said your Korean contact and all that kind of stuff. Is that, I mean, how much has that played a role in everything, is having those overseas con- contacts, and, and have you spent time in those places, or is this, you know, mostly on the phone? Or, or what's your what's your kind of um, production look like from that side of stuff?
1: You know, first of all, if I'm going to work with somebody, I've got to know them and trust them, and I feel the same with a different me. So I have spent countless hours, you know, countless hours, days, and months, you know, overseas. Mm -hmm. Um, My suppliers are not only suppliers and factories, truthfully, they're friends of mine. And they come over here and we fish together. I go over there and fish. Um, It's, yeah, it's really, it's way more so than, than just a business transaction. These people are friends of mine. And, you know, therefore like, you know, if I have a problem, I can call them. If I need something quick, I can call them. If, you know, and I'll, I'll be honest and tell you, I've ordered so many rods at times that I get scared whether I'm going to be able to pay my bill on time, uh-huh. you know, just straight up. When you're talking the amount of rods that I and I tell them, i tell them one day, listen, I might have a problem right here. Just, you know, they're totally cool with it. They know me. They trust me. They know they're going to get paid. Uh-huh. um and, and it's it's really to me in business it's a big deal. It's just like many of my customers. I mean, I touch base with so many of my customers either by email or phone calls, and they they get to know me. And dude, they'll be my customers because I treat them good. And it's the same thing with my factories. They're business it's business, but we're far better than just business partners. We're friends as well.
0: Yeah, yeah, I think that's an important role in 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 the fishing industry and any business industry, like you're saying, is having that relationship that um, goes beyond the, the paycheck, you know, I mean, you're, you're talking about a serious relationship between customers as well as on the other side of stuff with, with the guys who are, who are um, overseas and that kind of stuff. That's, that's, that's a good way to look at it. And I mean, obviously it served you well and um, seems like it, like it's a, the best way to do things.
1: And this took a lot of time too. I mean, this didn't happen a year or two or five or 10. I mean, I've been going over there for over 20 years
2: wow. and,
1: and, um, so, I mean, I've just got, a, I've got a lot of contacts over there. I've got a lot of friends over there. I mean, if I need, if I'm looking for something, I mean, I call over there and I can get it found. Um, wow. it, um you know, one thing that I will say, and this is the taboo area and it could very possibly get me into trouble and piss people off. But I'll tell you this, that, okay. you know, I don't build overseas for price. Mm-hmm. I build the companies that I use over there are high-end companies and they charge me okay. and I only use the best materials. I mean, I use Torrey and Mitsubishi and, and Fuji and Sea Guide and Portugal Cork. I mean, I'm using the, the best of best and the, and the best components cost, best materials cost. And sure. But if you use really good stuff, you have a lot less defects and you don't have, you don't have to fight that issue. And, and I'm not yeah. into rod breakage and stuff like that. But, yeah. But I build overseas because those, you know, that's what they do. They're there, you know, they build rods. I work with every one of their engineers. I change everything that they do on my rod. Every blank is my own personal blank. I might use anybody else's. I've made every stinking one of them. But the reason that I do not do it in the U.S., I mean, and this is just great, is um, I don't want to have to handle, you know, a 100 employees. It would drive me crazy. That is you know that's the weak link and so my employees you know we, only, we have nine employees only that's mm-hmm. the truth and but I take care of them they're yeah. all paid way more than the area's wage always more
2: yeah
1: I also provide you know full medical form I also provide awesome. retirement for them.
2: Awesome. and I
1: take really good care of them yeah and they take good care of me but I could I would lose my mind if I had to manage a hundred employees. I'd lose my mind, truthfully. It's, it's you know, employees are difficult mm-hmm. until you get to handpick the crew like I have now, but it yeah. takes a long time. It takes a long time to get there. And, well, it's, I mean, um,
0: you know, it's, with what you're saying, I mean, you can handpick nine employees, you can't handpick 100 employees, you know, so it's, it's difficult. Yeah. It's difficult. Yeah. Man. Well, that's I mean, awesome. It really is. That's awesome. And it sounds like you're running you know things very you know you're very prideful with with your business and how you how you treat everyone and and um that, that's great to hear and that's cool to hear that side of it from from uh, my you know
1: employees are a big part of it i mean they got to be a partner as well you know i mean i get you know my guys they need time off i mean you know we arrange that they get time off you know i had i mean both of my office girls both of them had a kid on the same exact day this year oh i wanted gosh. to kill both of them i mean <laughs> it's uh i told him you guys got a plan that's a little bit better than you did this year i mean on the exact same day both of them had kids so you know we were we were uh we had you know we had a bumpy road there for a little while we had hired a gal to come in on a temporary basis Uh from a temp Agency, and um, as soon as the girls went out with their babies she decided she didn't want to work no more so (laughs) we literally we had to pull the guys in the back to do some training, and uh, and we got through it. And luckily, it was at our slower time of the year, which is technically really October, November's our slow time. And uh, we got through it. But um, but the girls need they they need time off with their babies. They got to go to the doctor off with kids and stuff. And you know we just work around all that. We cover for everybody, and and it makes it it makes it easy. But you could not do you couldn't you couldn't have your employees and and do the same thing with a hunter that you can do with, like, you know,
0: 9 or 10. Sure, sure. Seems, you know, tight-knit and all that sort of stuff, man. Well, you know, Gary, we've been going here for hour 10, hour 15 minutes. You know, we'll probably wrap things up. Um, You know, I kind of, something I thought of here that might be fun for for kind of a closing, I wanted to ask you your, your personal best largemouth, smallmouth, and spotted bass and where you were when you caught them.
1: Large mouth is easy. It okay. was uh, I was on Lake Folsom in California, big twelve point eight nine pounds. I've caught three twelves of my life. I've never been able to catch that thirteen. <laughs> you know that teener, as they say. Yeah. Um, well, you're in the right place. One of these days. Yeah. Now down there on Lake Fork, you never know. I might snag one up. You just never know. huh. Um, uh-huh. Snag is a bad word in the fishing industry, yep, so I should reword yeah, that. Yeah. They yeah. catch one. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. You know, spotted bass again. That's easy. Nine pounds seven ounces, which is a big spot oh right out gosh, of Bullard's yeah. Bar. Wow! You know, it holds the record. Um, my son got one noticeably larger, out there. He caught a ten forty-eight. Um, wow! That's a g- we caught giant a lot of bass. seven giant, beautiful fish. We have caught a lot, a lot of spots in the seven and eight pound range. Wow! A lot. That's and incredible. Very spoiled to be able to have hit that fishery at its peak too, because now it's not there and it's really it, it's it's slowed down a lot, a lot, a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, and smallmouth, I got to think about that one for a minute. It was on the Columbia River for sure. There's um, some
0: giants in there. It
1: was. Oh, it was. Trust me, there's been a lot bigger fish caught in my boat that I didn't catch <laughs> in the Columbia than what I've caught. I think my biggest there is six seven. And wow. that's not that big because I mean, I had an eight caught out of my boat, um, you know, a guy fishing behind me and I had, i would had a couple of sevens caught out of my boat. And again, they weren't only really into my rod, um, <laughs> but I've caught, I tell you, I've caught a lot of, a lot of five and six pound fish up there. And I think my biggest is six, seven. Wow. Um, I just, I know I can do better than that up there. i just. They've just not done it. But I'll tell you what, there is not a fish that swim bass wise uh-huh. that can pull a Columbia River smallmouth that live in that current all day long. I mean, you'll catch a two pounder and you'll get him to the boat and you'll say, Where is the rest? Of you? you? I know that was a four pound fish <laughs> I've been fighting for the last five minutes. And Those current you fish. You get man. him up there. It's like a two pounder, you know, and you yeah. hook another one, and you're like, Oh, I know that's a five, you know, and you get enough, and he's a thinking two and a half or a three, and just like, just it's unbelievable how strong those fish are absolutely awesome fishery
0: man no doubt no doubt and that's one of those states where it's a you know the con, the concern there is the management's all kind of towards the cold water species and all that kind of stuff I just hope that that maintains to, to kind of be that way that you know that they manage and you know somewhat and don't try and eradicate the smallmouth and all that kind of stuff it seems like in our western states other than kind of California we struggle with the, the concept of the warm water species having it having a chance.
1: Yeah, well, I tell you, that smallmouth population is strong in that Columbia, and them bass fishing up there, you know, they're going to take care of that fishery. I mean, they're, they're going to, I mean, I know what you're saying with this mm-hmm. cold water crap they've got going up there, but that fishery's strong, and I mean, those are the prettiest things in smallmouth, and gosh, it's just such a phenomenal fishery. It's unbelievable. I mean, I've been lucky enough to fish up there a bunch of times, and it's, it's I mean, I've always enjoyed going up to Columbia River. I mean, the wind is a pain, there's no doubt, because you got really stout current, and that wind blows against it. And, buddy, I promise you, everybody talks about the worst water they've been in. That Columbia <laughs> you get flat, ugly, now, and, nasty. Huh? But, but the fishing is phenomenal, so we just keep going back.
0: Oh, uh, that's that's cool to hear. That's cool to hear. Well, hey man, I really appreciate you taking the time out. You know, you're a busy guy, busy schedule. Um, glad I was able to catch you. And, um, man, I will. Uh, I'll get everything posted with this show and and Link Dobbins and all the links. And I just wanted to say thanks for coming on.
1: But I appreciate it. I mean, you know, a bass should love to fish and love to run their jaws. So <laughs> I got to run my jaws more today than fish. So it's all good.
0: <laughs> well, glad to hear it. And, uh, hey, safe travels back to Texas, all right?
1: Hey, thanks, buddy. You have a great day. You too. Thanks.
0: Bye-bye. Bye. Hey guys, I uh, wanted to just say thanks for tuning in to another episode. Um, it's a little bit long, so appreciate you guys sticking around, listening to what Gary had to say. I think a lot of big takeaways in that one. Um, really cool how he started that business. Um, if you guys wouldn't mind sharing this show with someone that you know, would love to just kind of get this show out in front of folks, more folks that are interested in the outdoor, the fishing business side of stuff. It would be great to share it with someone that you know. Until next week, guys. Thanks. Well, that was an awesome show. Hope you guys enjoyed it. If you can and your app allows it, please leave us a rating and review. It really helps us get seen more this show does not happen without you guys. You guys know we appreciate you. You're the Sear fam. You're the reason we're here. Appreciate y'all, and we'll see y'all on the next
2: one.